0: Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News.
1: Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. This is Alex Martin. I am joined by Dan DeLuca, for this podcast Dustin is uh, off and taking some time uh, Dan how are you how was your weekend doing good um weekend was fine I'm
2: just glad as far as football season is concerned it seems like we're starting to get some clarity now as to what the playoff picture is going to look like yeah good Halloween for you as well I forgot
1: that was last night <laughs>
2: Good Halloween. <laughs> uh, it's my wife's birthday on Halloween, so that always uh, adds another extra level of celebration. So uh, it was a good time, yeah.
1: Well, happy birthday. Um, we had a lot of football uh, go on Friday night. There was at least a couple district championships clinched. Um, you were at one of them. I was also at one. Lehigh beating Riverdale 35 nothing. Felt like a get-right game for Lehigh after a you want to call it sluggish Um, a sluggish showing against Charlotte two weeks ago or three weeks ago coming up on Um, what what did you kind of see from the lightning uh, shutting out a a four and one Riverdale team yeah it was the fourth time that I've seen
2: Lehigh play this year and it was their best performance from start to finish that I've seen this year Uh, all facets of of the game special teams offense defense just played a really sound game, not a lot of penalties, not a lot of mental mistakes, no turnovers. Those are all things that have kind of plagued them this year, uh, sort of kept them maybe from reaching the level that they were predicted to at this point, but it looks like they could be rounding into shape at the right time. Dorian Mallory looked really good. Uh, that was the best game. Um, Coach Cheney said that he's played all year. You know, just a sophomore, uh, really threw the ball well. Passed for 166 yards, made really good decisions, waited for his receivers that got open, and he sort of set the tone early on. Uh, rushed for two touchdowns early, kind of got Lehigh out in front, and that forced Riverdale to try to play catch up. They're not a real pass-heavy offense, so when they fall behind by two scores, really tough for them to come back, but really good showing for Lehigh going forward. And, you know, maybe at this point in the season, they can kind of start catching up to where, you know,
1: we all thought they should have been. Yeah, and Dorian Mallory was a quarterback who kind of, you know, under the lens more often than not, you know, some scrutiny, um, a lot of inconsistent play from him this year relative to last, and that's a big game for him, uh, especially against a district opponent in a district championship, quote-unquote, But a nice performance from him. Richard, you know, did what he needed to do, over 100 yards, 12 or so rushes. But, yeah, that was a good game. I was out uh, inland at Gulf Coast Immokalee, 27-21 overtime game, and let's just say Immokalee had this 1-1. They should have been hoisting a trophy. You know, it was a game where they forced a turnover with about – Two minutes left, I think, in the game. Uh, they picked off Connor Barrett on a potential game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. They decided to take a deep shot on uh, first down after getting a first down run with Barrett's legs. Um, and then Villa Villarreal hits Ted Blanchard deep for 54 yards, I think. Set him up deep in, into Gulf Coast territory with probably a 35-yard field goal, maybe. Maybe less than that. But first down, five-yard game, Gulf Coast had three timeouts. They end up taking one of them. And then the second down play, Evan Hermanson makes the play of his life, forces a Villarreal fumble. Uh, Jacob Reyes gets on top of it and, you know, denies Immokalee of a win. Um, they very easily could have just taken knees or, or centered the ball. Um, I, I Personally, I was a little shocked that they didn't do that um, and just made Gulf Coast try and – drive down the field with a subpar kicker um, who hadn't been really consistent all year but that was just a choice that James Delgado made and he told me after the game he'd do it again he, he thought that they could score in that situation um, but Gulf Coast in overtime puts a mockley uh, behind the sticks you know it's like a third and goal from the 35 yard line um, obviously they weren't going to convert and they were well out of field goal range so as a turnover on downs and then three plays later uh, Joe Miller punches it in from two yards out in a Wildcat formation. All in all, uh, a pretty gritty win for Gulf Coast, but, you know, Amakali, you know, their chance to make the playoffs may have come and gone here. They're going to need to win Friday night to get in, I think
2: yeah and that it's an interesting game because you're talking about two programs that have two very different histories and sometimes those are tough to overcome even though the players switch out and they're different Um, but Immokalee traditionally you know they win games like that and Gulf Coast traditionally has has lost games like that you know maybe that they had in control and it looked like they should win so I I think for Gulf Coast to come through there, get that turnover really when they just had to have it, that, that can really help propel them going forward. And you can say, you know, we can kind of change the narrative here about our program and our our lack of postseason success, let's say. And in a game like that, you can really build off of.
1: Yeah, and Gulf Coast is a program, obviously, you know, making the playoffs has been a struggle for them. I think they've only had nine, eight or nine playoff appearances. They're, they haven't won a playoff game yet. Um, They have a good shot at doing that next Friday. uh, That would be Friday the 11th when the playoff brackets come out. But, you know, I was curious to see where Gulf Coast stands in terms of, um, you know, wins in a season. Had they ever eclipsed eight wins in a season? I mean, my gut tells me no. Just looking at the archives right now, they've had a handful of seven win seasons. They have never had a season where they've gotten eight wins. And I think that they can definitely do that. They eclipsed 100 program wins earlier this year. Um, you know, they're trekking in the right direction. Todd Nichols in year three has done a solid job. But definitely losing a sizable senior core uh, that they'll have to replace. Um, going to be relying on a lot of younger guys to step up uh, next year. Plenty of other games in southwest Florida. One that I thought was, if I kind of saw this one coming, would have been Vero Estero. Um, the Vikings just put the hammer down, win 57-10. to over the visiting Wildcats. Carter Smith had one heck of a game. I think he was 16 of 22 in this one, a very, very efficient uh, day from him. You know, it was a game where he threw for 260 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for 34 yards on the ground on four attempts with a pair of scores, and then, you know, the story of the game uh, was Deshaun Jenkins, 14 rushes for a buck 52, and he ran for four touchdowns. This kid's only a freshman, um, and he's having one heck of a year.
2: Yeah, that's a really good sign for Vero. We, we You know what they have in the passing game and, and, and with Carter Smith and even his ability to, to run the football. Um, but when you can get someone like Jenkins kind of stepping up and, and, and giving you that other threat in the backfield, it's just going to open things up, I think, for their offense going forward. And for Stero, you know, they, they have been really good on defense this year. I believe they had only given up 53 points entering this game, and and Varro surpassed that just in one game. So that just shows just how explosive that Varro offense can be.
1: Yeah, and um, one thing that I might add, Varro didn't play without their top two receivers and Timmy Lawson and Tukey Watts. Uh, Both were out with injuries. I think it's going to be short-term for them, so they should be back for the playoffs. But a handful of other games that we could talk about as well, one that really sticks out. Fort Myers is a team that has quietly gone under the radar since starting 0-2, and they've won six straight. Uh, another shutout for them, 40 to nothing. Their defense over the past few weeks has been really solid ever since that Aquinas game. Uh, a handful of shutouts. Granted, not, not the best opponents, but this is a Fort Myers team that you know, had some questions coming in. You know, they're going to be playing for a district title uh, this Friday night against Dunbar. But shutout against Riverdale, 23 points allowed against Charlotte, shutout against South Fort Myers, a 47-6 to win against Palmetto Ridge, which would have been a shutout if it weren't for the final play. Uh, then shutouts against Eastley and Cypress Lake. You know, they got four shutouts uh, so far. You know, obviously that's not probably not going to happen this Friday. Um, it would be a major development if it did. But how about the Greenies?
2: Yeah, they really have bounced back well from that start. And, you know, you mentioned those those last three opponents, Palmetto Ridge, East Lee County, and Cypress Lake. Probably not the strongest opponents. I, I don't think it's a surprise for us to say that. But all those games were within an eight-day period, too. Yes. So definitely some fatigue factor playing in probably for the Greenway, but able to overcome that. And I, I think they're sort of in a situation like Lehigh where despite a you know an uneven start um, they're peaking at the right time uh, and they're they're going to get their you know probably one of, I would say probably their second toughest opponent probably neck and neck there with North Fort Myers who Fort Myers opened the season with obviously Aquinas um, is the top opponent they face this season but you know they get a huge challenge with Dunbar and that's that's always a good game it's a big rivalry game I know Dunbar looks at that you know, even when they're the better team, they still feel like underdogs in a sense to Fort Myers, just because of Fort Myers' history, their status in the community, the way people talk about Fort Myers. I think even when Dunbar is, you know, far and away a better team, which I'm not sure that they are this year, but um, they're still, they
1: still, I think, consider themselves underdogs. So that that should be a really good game. Since Ian hit in the first game back for Fort Myers would have been October 14th, they are scoring on average 42.5 points per game. And on average, they are allowing a grand total of 1.5 points per game in their last four since the hurricane. Three shutouts included. Could have been four, but uh, Fort Myers definitely trekking in the right direction. Uh, One more game we could talk about before we hit the break. You know, Laley, two big wins. You know the one on Thursday night last Thursday, Laley uh, beats Golden Gate nineteen to sixteen, and then the game I was at last night, Monday night Halloween, uh, would have been forty three to twenty over Benita Springs. They've won five out of their last six, and, and just being on the sideline, you can tell the vibe is different. Um, I was also at that Naples game where they lost fifty nine nothing. This team believes, and you know the Trojans. After an 0-3 start where they kind of got the short end of the stick, you know, in a game against Gulf Coast where they only they didn't even make it to halftime and they made it an official game, you know, they got the short end of the stick there, they came up short against Riverdale uh, in week one by three points, and then um, they've seemed to really have turned a corner, and again, you know, they're a team that has kind of benefited on the field um, after the hurricane, really, you know, aside from that loss to Naples, you know, they shut out Barron, and they're... Th- three-and-one since, um, you know, I think they're definitely trekking in the right direction.
2: Yeah, it's a, a kind of a theme so far. We're talking about teams that got off to rough starts but have started to, you know, put things together. And I think we could have said that, you know, we expected Lehigh to put things together, expected Fort Myers to put things together. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, after that 0-3 start, we said, yeah, Laley's going to be sitting at 5-4 and four, and, no, no way. you know, and finish in second place in that district. And I mean, they've done a tremendous job, and Coach JJ Everage has done a tremendous job of turning things around, keeping kids, you know, engaged. Because it's easy after an 0-3 start where you have two really close losses, you yep. can start to lose lose kids. And he's done a great job keeping them together and put them in a very good position uh, to possibly qualify for the playoffs. And after that start, I don't know that anyone would have been picking Laley. Uh, to make the playoffs but you know you, you beat baron collier 40 to nothing I, I think that was the game that i think definitely opened our eyes that you know hey what's going on there and you know their offense has come through the
1: defense has played well uh they're just really clicking right now yep speaking of playoffs we will get into that in the next segment here when we are going to talk about who's in who's out and potential seedings headed into november
0: Let's go. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, news press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on.
1: Hello and welcome back. The playoff push is officially here. We can finally start to get a better picture of the playoffs. Who is in? Who is out? First off, Dan, we can go over our district champions starting in 1S. ECS and FBA have locked up Burse. 2S, Varro. whether they win or lose Friday, the math seems to be in their favor here. Um, A prospective three-way tiebreak between Astero Varro and Key West. Would probably benefit the Vikings. Uh, strength of schedule is the best. Um, even if they lose, I think we could talk about them being in good shape. Um, North Fort Myers is a team that's pretty much got it locked up. Uh, they're in 3s. Obviously, Naples, what two, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, had it had their district clinched. And then the teams in 4s, uh, Gulf Coast and Lehigh, um, have made it to the playoffs. Uh, Gulf Coast will be looking for their first win, playoff win in program history. And then, you know, our wild cards at this point in time, you know, Astero's in, uh, I would say. CSN is in very good shape despite not winning the district. Uh, Baron Collier. And then the team that we kind of just talked about lately, we'll be very excited to see the updated rankings. I think they come out Wednesday. That would be tomorrow for us uh, since we record on a Tuesday. But, um, Dan, I mean, you know, looking at the RPI and whatnot, do you have the Trojans in? I think so at this point.
2: I I mean, looking at the fact that they they beat Golden Gate head-to-head, so that's going to benefit them. And, you know, with a win this week, I think they're pretty much in. Uh, We also didn't mention uh, Dunbar-Fort Myers. Um, I think both of those teams are in. Uh, Obviously, you know, this week's game will decide who's the district champ, but I they look to be comfortably in as well.
1: Yeah, no, the there are teams that, and I failed to mention, they're safely in. There's no, nobody's on the bubble in that game. Nobody is in a win-and-you're-in situation. Um, both teams will make it regardless. Um, the other team that I was kind of, it sets up for a pretty big game Friday night. Lely Mockley, you know, could very well be the game of the week if it weren't for Dunbar-Fort Myers because that game, you know, Immokalee probably has to win here. Um, Lakewood Ranch was ahead of them in the last week's rankings, which dropped on October 26th. They were ahead by three spots. Immokalee lost. Lakewood Ranch won. So there's uh, potential for there to be even more separation there. And um, at this point, Immokalee would be the eighth team in. But you got to talk about uh, Lehigh, who effectively, you know, in this set of rankings would be technically stealing a bid. Because they're not in the top ten, they're eleventh in the region. But you got a mockley here. Can they get in? Yes. I'm not really sure what they're going to have to do Friday night. I th- I think without a doubt they have to win and then hope. Um, Lakewood Ranch, you know, they play a team that they probably should beat in Sarasota Booker, so there's a good chance that the Mustangs finish seven and three here. Uh, which, you know, Mockley's rooting for a loss. Um, Palmetto seems to be in. They are 6-3. and three. You know, they won last week. Uh, Sarasota is a team that did lose, but they are, um, you know, their season has concluded. So who knows what to expect with them. And then the top four teams in the region as of last week were Venice, District Champion, Manatee. Uh, which I believe may have lost the district championship here. Yeah, they lost, but they were the two seed in the region. Then Riverdale-Gulf Coast, Um, maybe the Lightning get a jump here, Dan, because beating a top 100 team, we'll see how much it weighs in. Safe to say both Riverdale and Gulf Coast are in, and Amokley is probably going to need a little bit of magic.
2: Yeah, and it'll be curious to see how much Riverdale falls with that loss to Lehigh. Um, You know, Just getting back into this now, I'm a little unclear about how how much change happens in those rankings really on a week-to-week basis Um, but yeah as of this point it looks like uh, Riverdale has a good shot of being in but again like you mentioned with Lehigh it's a matter of you know which other teams that are maybe outside of those top eight end up winning a district championship uh, either, you know, last week or if the game got postponed this week, uh, that could end up affecting that. So there's still some time for those to adjust. Um, but the teams we mentioned in the beginning, you know, your Vero, even Estero, despite that loss last week, they're, they're pretty much comfortably in Dunbar, Fort Myers, ECS, First Baptist. So we have a pretty good sense of what the playoff picture is going to look like here in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, and um, and the team that I failed to mention in 4s Sarasota Riverview, um, they were ranked 244th uh, statewide and 10th in the region. Uh, region four for 4s. They beat Sarasota last week, and Sarasota's ranked 163rd. So maybe you know things get really complicated here for Amakali because they're essentially getting sandwiched in, right? Um, I don't think Sarasota is going to drop enough, and I'm, I think Riverview could jump uh, Immokalee in this next set of rankings. Um, we'll know for certain on Sunday. I believe it's dro- the final rankings will drop at noon, but uh, definitely a complex situation for you know Their mindset just has to be focused on winning at this point. But another region, you know, these are different regions um, you know, in terms of the playoff structure. 1S, we can go, go down to them. They only have four teams in these regions, so two district champs and two at-large bids. ECS at this point going for their first undefeated season in 25 years. Um, pretty tough to do in and of itself. Obviously, you know their strength of schedule is bottom three in in Lee County and Collier County. You know, on average, they're playing a team that's ranked 414th in the state. Uh, not to discredit the undefeated season, but definitely special success in Mac Mitchell's first year, the fact that they could host a potential regional championship against First Baptist is, you know, something to follow, I think.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, their strength of schedule hasn't been the best. I mean, that's no secret, but for a first year coach in in a program that was, is going, undergoing a little bit of a, of a rebuild, they have some new players that came in there, obviously helped LJ Blackwell, Tanner Helton, Um, And they've really performed well this year and put them in in that position where you know, they can be a district champ in in Coach Mitchell's first year. So overall, I would say they're pretty happy with the way things have gone so far. And they'll be likely, uh, you know, one of the top seeds in that region, have a chance to win a first-round playoff game and would likely set up for them um, in in First Baptist to meet in the second round.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because you look at the Max Prips rankings and you look at the FHSAA rankings, and, and they're vastly different. Obviously, ECS in the, uh, the max preps rankings, they are technically third in the class in the FHSA rankings, which were updated as of last week. And then you go and look at the max preps rankings, which are more up to date, but you kind of get a better picture. Um, ECS is all the way down at eight in the, uh, the class, and First Baptist is at third. Obviously, the Lions are the favorite to still get out of the region. But they kind of playing a little bit banged up. Jaden Booker has not really done much the last three games. I, I'm i going to presume it's an injury. Uh, but definitely some interesting things going on at First Baptist. I think Friday night was a huge game for them in terms of just trying to get back on track. Uh, they got frost-proof this week. You know, a team that's 7-1, and one, it's a team that Varro could see in the postseason uh, in maybe the regional semis. But FBA kind of, I guess the narrative has shifted in 1S from them being, you know, state title favorite to being, you know, kind of a, I guess, a dark, minor dark horse. I think uh, Ocala Trinity Catholic is probably the team to beat at this point. Um, they're just too good, and um, FBA will have to step it up, especially on defense, because you know they were vulnerable midway through the year uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Next up, you know, we can talk about one more region, and then we can go into the picks. The biggest one, 3S region four. I was gonna pose the question, you know, of the teams that are not considered favorites. Who would be the team that you think can get out of the region and possibly uh, play in a Final Four? You know, the favorite's gonna be Naples, and then you got a uh, kind of a mixed bag. After that, you got North Dunbar, Fort Myers, Barron, uh, heck, even maybe even Laley. I think Port Charlotte is going to be the other, the lone Southwest Florida team that'll be in this region or a non-Southwest Florida team for us. But what are you thinking here in terms of maybe a team that could surprise some people?
2: Well, I think North could be that team if they could get a little more consistent on offense. But, I mean, you, when you talk about teams that have played well just in one side of the ball, just one thing that you can count on every week from a team, I, I think you have to talk about North's defense. I mean, they're yeah. allowing you know less than six points a game this year. Uh, have played really well on that side of the ball. Adrian Stone has just had a phenomenal year uh, on the defensive line. Uh, you have Bo Somerset uh, back in the secondary. Tavars Irons at linebacker. I mean, just just real playmakers at every level of that defense. And they're really the unit that has put North in in the position to be where they are right now. Because yep. offensively, it's just been you know trying to. Kind of figure things out, trying to bring you know a young quarterback, uh, first-year quarterback uh, Gabe DeRoss along, and he has improved throughout the course of the season. But I, I don't think North can go into any game uh, saying we need to try to win a shootout tonight. They're they're going to need to to keep things ugly and 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 to keep that defense going. And, and defense will play in, in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see any team really that they're going to be uh even even Naples I don't think Naples will physically outmatch them uh, because they north has you know such such good physicality on defense uh, now they might not be able to score with some teams but they can certainly keep the score low enough where you get a big play out of a playmaker like Somerset. You can turn the game around. I will say Dunbar also. Uh, Dunbar's played very well on defense as well this year, and they're a little better offensively than North. Quarterback Linden Winterbottom's had a pretty good year. Uh, David Perkins running the football in the, in the backfield, and you have uh, Benjamin out at wideouts. So they're good in those facets of the game too. So I, I think people look at it as sort of Naples Naples region to kind of run away from, but one of those teams is going to give them a challenge
1: yeah and I was looking at North as well remember north against Naples it's happened I think three times or twice in the past three years or four years whatever it was um, they've kept both those games somewhat close and I mean close by two scores and they they haven't let Naples blow them out you know if you want to call North Fort Myers like a glorified Benita Springs offense that can actually control the clock and control the ball with with Bo Somerset doing direct snaps and whatnot. And they just have a better defense than, you know, Benita, obviously. But their ability to control the ball and, and kind of just wear defenses down that way um, is pretty impressive. You know, they're, they're running the ball on average two to one um, in their offense. They got Sion Gordon, who's been a nice compliment to Somerset, who pretty much does everything on this team, it feels like. And they're all doing this without Andre Devine, who hasn't played since the second game of the year, you know, which is pretty impressive in and of itself. Uh, Somerset's has been the guy—seven rushing touchdowns, two more receiving, and then he's thrown for another. So he's got ten touchdowns this year. And the defense is is definitely worth noting, especially because they only allowed seventeen to Dunbar and ten to Fort Myers, and then after that, it's been shut out, shut out, shut out—seven points. I, I think they got a decent chance at hanging with Naples and. You know, let's face it, you know, the Naples O-line, yeah, they got Sam Kelly, but they've had some struggles, you know, relative to recent years. It's a new group, and you're always going to have growing pains there. Um, some holding penalties, some inexperience, but, you know, that'll come with more games and more maturity. Um, I'd be very curious to see a North-Naples matchup, if we were to get it, come two to three weeks from now. But that will wrap up that segment. Uh, We're going to go to our final segment. It will be picks time uh, where we will go over last week and we will talk about the final
0: week of the season and who we think is going to win. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week. Go to naplesnews.com and news press.com.
1: Let's just do it, okay?
0: Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Ready, we So. All
1: right. It is picks time. Dustin is not with us, but he did send in his picks for uh, for this week. Going into week 11, I went 9-1 last week. I only missed the Golden Gate game. I got the other nine correct, which would have been ECS, Key West, Fort Myers, North, First Baptist, Mariner, Lehigh, Gulf Coast, Verro. Dan went a respectable 8-2 to bring his total to 49-19 on the year. And Dustin, who... Missed two games, uh, Golden Gate and SFCA. He is 48 and 20 on the year. I'm 51 and 17. It's an even 75% there. But Dan, we'll start it with you here. Eastleigh, Gateway, a combined one win for these two teams. Um, this is going to be a home game for Gateway. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, Gateway, uh,
2: the team with the one win, they beat Gateway Charter earlier this year. Uh, Eastleigh County yet to pick up a win. Um, But I think they get it Friday night. I think
1: Eastley beats Gateway. Okay. Dustin did pick Gateway, and I'm with him. I'm going to pick the Eagles to get their second win of the year. Uh, Maybe Colin O'Brien can salvage his season here and and get a win to close out the year, and maybe they'll play a bowl game. That's something that the FHSA did give an option to for some of the teams around here. You could play a bowl game the first week of the playoffs if uh, you didn't make it. So, we'll see what happens then but game two on our slate uh palmetto ridge and golden gate the battle of the gate you know you think the titans are favored here but there are a couple games where we thought they were favored that they didn't win uh palmetto ridge has just seemed to have uh struggled since you know chris token departure uh, at the end of last year you know not not a solid team you know they're still in rebuild mode 36 points in seven games with a win uh dan i think You know, Golden Gate probably a clear, distinct favorite here?
2: I think so. Uh, You know, rivalry games, sometimes strange things happen, but sometimes, you know, it just comes down to who's the better team. I think Golden Gate's the better team. They still have something to play for because I think they still have a shot maybe a little bit of an outside shot uh, at the postseason. So I think that coupled with the fact that uh, they've just been a more consistent team this year than Palmetto Ridge, I I think Golden Gate wins.
1: Yeah, and Dustin and I are both on the Titans to get a rebound here. Um, I think they're going to be playing with more urgency, knowing that they need to win to get in. You know, Trayvon Jean will probably have a big game here. Uh, Maybe John Lee on a rod as well. Uh, But game three... A district game but a meaningless one at that uh, north fort myers at cape coral red knights have the district locked up uh could that maybe uh hurt them here you know maybe do they just look past cape and maybe keep this game a little closer than it should
2: i mean maybe i, I just think cape coral's offense cape coral has a pretty good defense uh they they've really kind of played well on that side of the ball uh, ended up losing late to Mariner uh, last week in the Black and Blue Bowl, gave up a, a long touchdown pass late in the game uh, to lose that by one score. But they haven't been able to get anything going offensively and to try and get something going offensively against that Northport Myers defense, that's, that's likely not going to happen. Norse won seven in a row in this series. I think they make it eight in a row and, and they win pretty easily.
1: Yeah, it should be convincing. Maybe another shutout. Uh, for the Red Knights, they've just been playing phenomenal defensively. Uh, give me North. Dustin also takes North. Uh, the game that we will disagree on here, Laley at Immokalee. He's got Immokalee. I've got Laley. Uh, I, I just think they're playing too dang good right now to lose. And, yes, you know, Benita put up 20 points on him, But that offense is just so hard to defend right now. And, and Benita couldn't stop it. Uh, Barron couldn't stop it. Uh, I'm going to take Laley. so split decision there. Dan, you're, you you could tie-break it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Laley also. I just think they've got some momentum now, and uh, I think they they kind of taste the playoffs at this point, and they can pretty much, in my opinion, I think lock it up with a win uh, at A Mockley. There's got to be a little bit of a hangover after the way they kind of, you know, dropped that game last week when it looked like they had it kind of locked up. And uh, I think that carries over a little bit. Immokalee, it's not easy to win there, um, but I think Lely's, you know, playing their best football this season right now, and I think Lely will win.
1: Next game up, can they complete the undefeated season? ECS going down to uh, CSN, actually. Uh, so they'll be on the road for this one. CSN beat them both times last year, uh, but definitely a different Seahawks team. Dustin and I are both going to pick the Sentinels to actually complete the undefeated season under Mac Mitchell. The undefeated regular season, rather. Dan, can CSN, like, can they get it together here? I mean, they're in the playoffs. We know that. Um, They're in good shape. uh, But definitely a closer than expected game against Gateway Charter.
2: Yeah, that's maybe a little troubling uh, when you look at that result. Uh, I think ECS wins this game. I just think offensively Tanner Helton, L.J. Blackwell, Jack Shooker, I I just think they have too many weapons for for CSN, a a team that's kind of struggled at at times uh, on on offense to put up some points. I I think ECS will outscore them.
1: Yeah, with you all the way there, Tanner Helton is completing 78% of his passes this year, which is a ridiculous number. He should be able to have his way here. Uh, whether it's Jack Schuker, uh, Trey Guttery, Timmy Miller, etc., but you know, just a game that's going to be played uh, less than five minutes from there. Frostproof is going to First Baptist. Uh, the Lions coming off a huge forty-two nothing uh, win over CSN a game that was scheduled late. I don't know really what to expect here, but I'm going to take uh, First Baptist and so does Dustin.
2: Yeah, I think that's the safe bet here. Frostproof has a pretty good record. I think they're 6-2, 7-2. and, two, seven and two. Um, Haven't had, you know, the best schedule. It's a pretty soft schedule to date, and you know, it's it's tough to win at First Baptist. Uh, the only question mark is, are those injuries still plaguing First Baptist? But I think even if they're without a couple of their players, I still think they have enough talent to be Frostproof.
1: Yeah, I think even, you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. I think even with with an injury or two, I think they're going to be okay here. Uh, First Baptist should be able to win this one and win by a couple scores. Uh, Varell going to Key West will be game number seven on our slate. I don't think there's really much to talk about here. Carter Smith's 31 yards away from 2,000 uh, with a serious shot at at breaking multiple records. Uh, Single season, got a chance to break Dallas Crawford's single season total yardage record and Kurt Benkert's single season passing record. Um, I think he'll get to 2,000 easily uh, Friday night, and I think they win. Dustin also on Varro.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take Varro too. I mean, the only thing is it is a tough trip to make. It's an ordeal to get down the Key West. Um, but Estero was able to do it and, and beat Key West, and we saw what Verro uh, did when they matched up with Estero last week. So I think Verro will win this game. Maybe it'll be a tad closer uh, than we might expect, but I think it'll end up being a, a comfortable margin. And if things shake out the right way, we could see this game again uh, with Key West making the trip back to Verro if they end up being the one and the four seed.
1: Yeah, no, that would be a um, that'd be an interesting game. I think you know, especially if they rematch. Uh, Vera would be a favorite even at home uh, but we'll see the playoffs uh, playoff brackets when they come out game number eight on the slate it is Jaws versus Claws. Astero going to Benita this time around this is a game you know who cares that Benita's two and six or two and five in uh, Astero seven and one both teams seem to play a really good game here Astero um, probably a, a slight road favorite Dustin and I are both on the Wildcats to go to eight and one this year which would be. The best season in program history under Darren Nelson. I'd have to go back, check multiple years uh, to see when they last had a one-loss season. Probably maybe the Joe Hampton days. But, Dan, can Benita pull it off here, or how are we kind of viewing this game?
2: Well, I think Benita could. Um, Benita Springs is every opposing coach's favorite team, right? They just love the way they play. They love the effort. They love the physicality. They love the the single-wing offense, there could be a little bit of a hangover for Estero. I mean, I know they were really, you know, up for that game against Faroe. um Basically, you know, a district title type of game and obviously not happy with the result. So there could be the opportunity for a letdown, except that this matchup has really become a pretty good rivalry. Yes, so I don't think Darren Nelson is going to have to do a lot to get his players back up and focus for this game. Um, I think the difference will be defensively. Benita Springs hasn't really shown that it can stop uh, any opponents consistently, yeah. uh, stop their offenses. So even though Benita may be able to score some points, I don't know that they'll be able to get that one stop that they'll need uh, against Estero. So I, I think it'll be close. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a you know a one-score game. I expect it to be a one-score game, but I think Estero will have that one more score and they'll win.
1: Yeah, this will come down to game management, I think. J.J. Everage told me last night uh, that you're going to have to go up two scores against them because you don't know how long they're going to control the ball, and he was definitely right. Uh, the game looked like it could have gotten out of hand early, uh, but it you know, Benita kind of just drove down the field and just had methodical drives um, to kind of keep themselves in it, but they still lately put a 43 on that defense and, and did it quite easily. Game 9 on the slate, the Catfish Bowl. Gulf Coast going to Baron Collier. Uh, the Sharks nearly flirted with disaster last week, um, losing a heart – would have potentially lost a heartbreaker to Immokalee. That did not happen. Um, I, I think – They'll even have more focus on this game than, than the district championship. And that's no offense to Immokalee by any means. It's just this rivalry, doesn't matter what sport it is. These two schools are very passionate. They do not like each other. Um, and, and there was a photo last year, uh, someone's I, the lower back pad, you know, the messages there uh, um, that were pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to take Gulf Coast. I think that they can get it done. I just don't think Barron's the same team. Uh, since the Laley game, I think Laley broke Baron, quite honestly. I, I just think it was uh, a pretty odd, odd game to look at. But Dustin and I are both on the Sharks. Uh, Dan, are you also with Gulf Coast here?
2: I think I'm going to go with Baron Collier. Okay. Uh, just because I, I think Baron Collier can bounce back. Um, you know that obviously that Lely game was almost inexplicable in, in, yep. in the margin. Um, Gulf Coast is not that same type of you know offense. I think Baron Collier will will figure out a way to defend. And, and quite simply, I, I think these teams are maybe a little closer. Uh, than we might think they are, and Barron Coller really needs this game. They do. Uh, Gulf Coast does not need this game. Uh, they ha- they got that huge win last week at Amokley, emotional win, came back, you know, really from the jaws of defeat. They were dead to rights in that game and somehow escaped with a win. Barron needs this game. Gulf Coast doesn't, uh, even though it's a big rivalry. Gulf Coast would like to win, obviously. Barron Coller needs to win, and they're at home. And I think
1: they'll find a way to get it done. So I'm going to go with the Cougars. Okay, separation there. Another game where we definitely ha- are going to disagree is is Dunbar at Fort Myers. Um, this is a game where Dustin picked the Greenies in uh, would have been Week Four. He's staying on it. You know, he's staying with Fort Myers. You picked Fort Myers as well in Week Four. Do you stand by that, or, or are you going to take a mulligan here and make a change?
2: I think I'm going to take a mulligan and, and make a change uh, and go with Dunbar uh, if we're allowed to do that. I don't, yeah, you know, my yeah, we, first year on this podcast in the pick <laughs> segment, I don't know exactly what all the rules are, but if you're going to give me the <laughs> chance to do it, I'm going to do it. And I think the main reason is Fort Myers has not been able to get their running game going yeah. uh, really all all season. And I think that's going to hurt them in this game. I don't think it's suddenly all going to come together against Dunbar, which is a really good defensive team. And uh, Christopher McFoley has gotten better as a passer, but if they can't run the football effectively with Ricardo Noel – I don't think you can put the game in McFoley's hands and say, okay, go out and win it. I mean, they do have a couple of nice weapons. Uh, You know, Madrid-Tucker out there, you know, definitely a big play weapon. I I just think Dunbar is a little bit more offensively and is is better defensively uh, than Fort Myers, and I think that'll be the difference. It'll be a close game. These games always seem to be close. um, But with all this on the line, with both teams really needing this game, I think Dunbar's the better team and I think they'll get it done.
1: Yeah, I do as well. I think Dunbar is going to be the team to beat here. Dustin is sticking with Fort Myers. I just think Dunbar is just better in these types of games. You know, obviously Fort Myers is coming off a stretch where uh they haven't really played a tough opponent since week 2 and that was before Hurricane. That was months, well, it feels like months ago. It's 2 months ago to the day tomorrow. You know, I just don't think that they're going to be able to hang especially with the speed here. But if they do, they will be 7-2 and in their first playoff game, should they win it, would be their 700th in program history. They're two wins away from getting to that number. So maybe they're playing with a little more passion here. It's Don Weekly's final year coaching the O-line. Uh, maybe Fort Myers can surprise some people. But I'm going to stick with the favorite here, Dunbar. I, I just think the Tigers are primed for another postseason berth and another district championship. So that will wrap up the Pigs segment. Uh, Be sure to go to news-press.com and naplesnews.com for everything. Um, We're going to have a lot of action this week, a lot of content for you guys, um, especially with the postseason coming on Sunday, Uh, who's in, who's out. So we'll be able to talk next week on playoff matchups and maybe some bowl games for the teams that didn't get in. Um, But for Amanda Inscore, our wonderful award-winning producer, for Dan DeLuca, I am Alex Martin. That will wrap up this podcast, and we will see
0: you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.